Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Mosaic Live podcast is brought to you by Lisa Bond Coaching and DBT Solutions. I want you to close your eyes. Not if you're driving. Keep your eyes open. Don't close your eyes. Think back about a, uh, about a month ago, a month ago and 10 days to be exact, uh, when our first interview came out, our first interview episode, I was giddy with excitement. Uh, we interviewed Lisa Bond. Um, what a phenomenal conversation that was. That was our very first interview. Uh, we were nervous as hell, but it turned out great. And it was a lot of fun. And she is back to sponsor this particular episode. Um, She, if you don't remember, uh, is a DBT expert, uh, and she helps people overcome situations or problems in their lives through mindfulness. Uh, In that episode, we talked a lot about um, living your life with intent and uh, how mindfulness uh, can help you get through stressful scenarios. Uh, Lisa and her practice, uh, she helps facilitate people successfully creating purpose-filled lives. She wants you to live every single day of your life with purpose. And um, she does that by helping you manage intense emotions and improving your relationships. If you ever, uh, I remember, you know, while we were recording this, we were talking a lot about Christmas. And if, if you're one of those people who just could not wait to get through the holidays because dealing with family life and the stressors of being around your loved ones, and they are that, they are your loved ones, which is just too much to bear. DBT or dialectical behavioral therapy is one great solution to help you through that. And Lisa is a a coach and uh, an expert in the field. And she is somebody who can get you to that point where you are leading with such intense, such intense mindfulness and purpose that those types of situations don't won't even phase you. Um, She mentors new counselors and therapists uh, in their use of dialectical behavioral therapy skills, principles and practices. And uh, she's got a client to coach mentorship program uh, for graduates uh, of of, of her skills, training focus groups who seek to share uh, their experience and what they've learned in uh, DBT. Um, If you are interested and learning more about uh, Lisa, uh, first of all, first of all, I re- highly recommend you go back and check out interview number one with Lisa Bond uh, at um, that one, uh, I don't even know her website, it's onemosaic.life, that's it. Uh, it was interview number one, uh, check out our hour-long interview with Lisa, um, awesome interview, if I don't say so myself. But if you want to skip straight to the source, go to lisabonddbtsolutions.com. Uh, You can find out everything that uh, Lisa's got going on and uh, learn more about um, what DBT is. Uh, From a personal standpoint, I've got a very good friend uh, who uh, works with Lisa and she swears uh, by by the services that Lisa provides and and the coaching. And so it's, excuse me, it's really been life changing for her. So again, uh, if you want to live a life with more purpose and uh, mindfulness um, to be more present in your everyday life and uh, not have to deal with um, the stressors in such, a, in such an acute way. Uh, check out uh, lisabonddbtsolutions.com. That is L-I-S-A, Bond, like James, dbtsolutions.com, and check out our first interview uh, from December 15th. Holy freaking crap, I'm really excited about this episode. I, I 
realize I say that about every episode, but I, the, it's these interviews, these interviews that we, when Ernie and I have the opportunity to speak with somebody who can, whose ultimate goal, who, whose purpose it is to help improve the lives of those around them. That's, that's what really gets me excited. If I could do this every single day, I, I truly, truly would. Um, what makes this interview even more special is, uh, this is somebody who Ernie brought into my life, um, which was just fascinating for me. It was, it was, it was, it was like, I was a kid in a candy shop, even though I, I hate sugar and candy, but that's, that's a different episode for another time. Um, Jason, Jason Lang uh, is who we speak with today. Uh, he is a, an embodiment and relationship coach. Uh, he works primarily with men, but now, now don't worry if you're a man, woman, you know, whatever, if, if you're listening to this, I promise you, you're going to get a lot of value out of this. Um, this is somebody Ernie has been working with for, for, I believe over a year and, uh, somebody who's been truly transformational for Ernie. Um, and you know, the hour that we got to speak with Jason was, was, it was so condensed with valuable information that I know that, you know, as I go back and listen to this, I'm going to continue receiving value from it. We talk about everything from, you know, how to speak to somebody that, uh, you, you know, you might have a little bit of a, uh, a thing for, uh, whether you think they're cute or it's just somebody you want to build a relationship with at a networking event, how to express genuine curiosity and learn from the person. And so you can avoid, you know, awkward silences. And, or, you know, we, we talk a lot about, uh, um, deepening and, you know, embodiment and how to build upon interpersonal work within, whether it's in, within a men's group or, you know, just within your own personal family or network. Um, Jason's goal is to help you build strong and powerful relationships, um, whether those are platonic or romantic. And, you know, the, the, the takeaways that he leaves with you, the listener in this podcast are truly actionable. And they are things that if you can embody them, uh, will take you a long, long way. I would highly encourage you First, listen to this episode, but then go check out Jason's website. Uh, that is evolutionary.men. Again, that's evolutionary.men, where Jason writes all about this. And uh, he provides resources for anybody from somebody who is completely terrified uh, talking to somebody about uh, somebody of the opposite sex or somebody who just wants to build more confidence and be a better leader. Again, that is evolutionary.men. Um, and then at the end of the podcast, uh, Jason and I nerd out a little bit about uh, being cold shower junkies. And uh, you're going to love his recommendation uh, for how to... Um, uh, to how to improve your breath work and how to really uh, take your practice to the next level. Um, without saying anything else, without ruining any more surprises, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank Jason Lang for joining us on the podcast. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. Life is an art. Every moment, a picture painted in time. The color, texture, lighting, all context. The Mosaic Life vision is to cast a warm glow on your masterpiece, highlighting the struggle while showcasing the culmination of years of hard work. Join us for guided meditations, interviews with authors and leaders, and engaging conversation as we explore the depths of our consciousness. All right, guys, welcome to the Mosaic Life podcast. We're here today with another interview, and uh, we're with Jason Lang. And, and Trey, how are you today? I, I'm great. 
Ernie, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And Jason, how are you? I'm doing great. Excited to be here chatting with you guys. Yeah, man. We're definitely thankful for you uh, for coming on and just hearing uh, the level of insights that you've created in your life and now bringing to your work. Um, if you don't mind, can you start us out with just a, a, a brief summary of what you're doing now and, and maybe even how you got there? Yeah, I wear uh, many hats, which has been part of my my journey in this, in this world. Uh, but I primarily, I help people change and evolve and grow. And the ways I am focusing on that these days are... Um, in kind of the micro level, I work and coach men in men's groups on dating and relationships and in shadow work. And then kind of on the macro level, the big, big picture, I create uh, films and entertainment that hopefully kind of wake people up in, in, in similar ways. And my journey really started um, from being raised in a pretty typical Midwestern kind of suburban, lower middle class, everything was all right, kind of kind of place. But my family had like zero emotional connection in it and physical connection for that point, uh, for that matter. And that caused me a lot of kind of stress in my young years and going into my teenage years that for better or worse, kind of got me on a journey of growth and transformation. And like, why is it I don't feel comfortable moving through the world and why is it I don't feel comfortable relating with women and that kind of kicked off you know uh, uh, what has been now almost uh, 20 years of uh, all kinds of personal growth and study and development and change and moving around the country wow man yeah that I really feel that um, I the part about growing up in a family that didn't have a lot of um, emotional and physical connection. I can definitely feel you there. And then, and how that brought you to this place of diving into what really um, allows that in a life and how you can use that to create the life that you want. Um, also, if for anyone listening, he's, he's not only helping men evolve, but he has a new human being in his life evolving. And, and you might hear her in the background a little bit. <laughs> yes. um, you're, a, you're a new dad, right? Congrats. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. She's uh, just a little over six weeks. Yeah. And, and you and I, we were in a program last year together for nine months. And um, we were talking before, of course, that it's been transformational for us. EMLT, Embodied Men's Leadership Training. I've mentioned it several times on this podcast. Um, and, and just knowing you and the way that you've shown up in that group. Uh, and I I just think, wow, you would make the perfect dad. And now here you are um, raising a young child. And I just wonder, you know, I felt like you were just so ready for this. And then is that how you felt going into it? How is it now that you are a dad? Um, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, it probably feels like the easiest thing in my life right now. Mm -hmm. uh, just being attuned, being dropped in and just caring for my kid. Um and it's way easier because of all the work I've been doing the last couple of years, uh, just more than ever. It, it's such, she's such a great practice place for, you know, what does it mean to just breathe and be present and look her in the eye and literally kind of uh, smash her with love, so to speak, <laughs> moment to moment. Mm. And, and that's kind of it, you know, that's really what she needs more than anything else. And, um, 
that actually has been coming pretty, pretty easily to me. You know, uh, I've probably struggled the most with just getting other things done in life. Cause it's like, Oh my God, what's better than just sitting, holding a sleeping baby yeah. <laughs> for, for, you know, a couple, couple hours a day. It's, it's like the reverse of the energy, you know, we had been in, in, um, the men's program, which was, you know, about agency and direction and like moving towards things. And this is kind of more like, nope, just being here in the moment, connecting oxytocin bliss. Um, so it's been, it's been a journey navigating that for sure. Mm. Beautiful. You know, <clears throat> going back just a, a little bit, I, I, so when, when you said that you, you grew up in a household with very little intimacy, that makes me go back to my childhood a little bit. Not that I didn't receive that. I remember my dad and my mom saying that they came from families. Um, they're, they are both boomers and their parents, both of their fathers were in wars. And so they did not receive a lot of uh, intimacy, both emotional or physical growing up either. And so they, I wouldn't say they overcompensated with that uh, when we were children, but we certainly, you know, hanging up the phone, even now to this day, or, you know, walking out of the household, it's always, I love you. It became automatic. So it, it was, it was interesting yeah. for me to see that change while their parents were still alive, seeing that, I guess you can call it disconnectedness versus, you know, what we have now. And I'm not saying my family life has been perfect. You know, unfortunately my parents did divorce about 10 years ago. Uh, but you know, just seeing the, you know, moving from one end of under the spectrum to compensate for the other. And I'm, I'm curious, did, do you feel as if as a new father, you are finding that happy medium, or do you feel like you're, you, you too are overcompensating to make sure that your daughter has the life that you wish you had? Um, one of my favorite things I heard, particularly uh, as, you know, unlike my parents and to some extent one of the shifts i think we're at now is just an awareness of development and attachment parenting and attachment theory and all these things we know are very nourishing for young nervous systems which we didn't necessarily know you know uh 40 years ago when i was born and particularly when our parents were born and uh one of my favorite things i read was you know that first three months in particular uh, a child's really considered still kind of a fetus. It, it, they call it the fourth trimester, where you know the, every other mammal would have basically another 12 weeks in the womb where they're being held, they're being contained, they're being loved, they're being just nourished 24-7. So for us humans, when we come out that first three months, you literally can't spoil a child. You just can't give them enough love, enough regulation. Um, and I've just gone with that. I've just run with that. So I have no problem with that. You know, I would rather, um, I would rather my child be going to therapy in 20 years from like, yeah, my dad's awesome. And I love him. And sometimes he just won't leave me alone. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, like he's always asking me how I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That feels really good, man. You know, I want to transition into, uh, into the work that you're doing now with, with adults, <laughs> with men. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I was reading some of your blogs, uh, your blog posts, and you're an excellent writer, by the way, I never actually was able to, took the time, I'll say rather, to, to read your blog prior to um, deciding to do this interview with you. And, and I would just, I really enjoyed that, first of all. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I read that really stuck with me, and it felt like my personal journey last year, through that program and in my life, 
um, was a quote. You, here's the quote, rather. One of the most powerful ways to torpedo your life and wreck your well-being is uh, and wreck your well-being is one that I've seen all too many men fall prey to, getting stuck in our heads. Being stuck in our heads means our attention and thoughts are fused and that we're disconnected from our emotions and bodies. That really struck. I wonder if you could talk a little more about that. Yeah, well, uh, the, you know, this is so central to really what I would call men's work in so, so many ways and human work to, to an extent. But I think particularly for us men, right, the gift and I'm, I'm going to use kind of masculine and men interchangeably here just for the uh, sake of this conversation. But, sure. you know, all people have masculine energy and feminine energy. Um, I mostly work with men who feel at home and they're masculine. And what, yeah, what, what I've noticed is, you know, the gift and the curse, so to speak, of masculine energy is our ability to dissociate from our bodies. It is our ability to like disconnect from the now in order to move towards something in the future or at another time. Um, you know, and we do that in work, we do that in war, we do that in hunting, where we can actually like ignore what's happening for us because we're driving towards something. Uh, and it, it's a gift in some sense, right? We can push into hard hours, we can do crazy things, we can challenge ourselves uh, with physical acts. But the downside is um, we, it, can get way too reliant and and like stuck in that as 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 I say, in that for so many of us men, and particularly in the modern age where we're just like assaulted with information twenty four seven, you know, our phones from the second we wake up and and whatnot, we spend most of our time in our thoughts and thinking, so to speak. And the thing about thinking is it it's really hard to, <laughs> to think and feel at the same time, I would argue. And almost always what thinking actually is, is a way to prevent us from dropping into feelings we might not yet be resourced enough to feel or might be afraid to feel. So, you know, we might have some grief, some anger, some sadness, for various different things in our life, some of them historical and old, some of them current. And what I see a lot with men is we can talk about it forever. We can, we can talk about these things, why it might be this way, what our typology is, the spiritual reason it might be, the psychology of it, the social, the cultural, economical things that kind of led up to it. But what that often does is it prevents us from actually dropping into the feeling which is where the biggest juice I would say of life really is. And what, you know, you and I, Ernie spent a lot of last year doing is how do we drop more into our bodies? And when we're in our bodies, that's where we feel and are able to connect to our own emotions and also feel and connect to the emotions of those around us. And it's also where we intuit, where we kind of just access our innate knowing, um, so to speak. And, this just tendency of, you know, getting stuck up in our heads. Um, one of the words, you know, you guys have probably heard that a lot of guys I work with get stuck in is, you know, kind of analysis paralysis is yeah. just constantly thinking about a problem from this angle, from that angle, or, you know, the, 
what I would say is kind of the entry point for a lot of people into personal growth and development is just being addicted to the, to consuming information. You know, it's like, and I, I fell prey to this truth, truth be told, I'm not going to lie, you know, reading more about meditating than meditating, <laughs> reading more about embodiment than actually being embodiment, thinking that if I just learned another framework, listened to another podcast, read another book, um, oftentimes went to another workshop that it would, it would change things. And there's some truth to that, you know, having a little cognitive shift and awareness does kind of set the ground, I think, but you really got to come down out of your head into your body where all this stuff lives. And that's a lot of what I help men with. Yeah, that seems like a, a, a lot to do. I mean, the, the important distinction, I think, in, in the quote and in what you're saying is the understanding that you're either in your head or in your body is fundamental. You know, that um, using your mind to wrap around that idea and then getting past or, or noticing, I guess, those things that are keeping you from being in your body. And then the other thing I make up is, and also learning ways to get back into your body manually, so to speak. Totally. Yes. So, you know, a lot of what I help um, men with in, in some of my specific coaching in dating and relationships is yeah, cultivating a deeper presence. And, you know, the first step to becoming more present is always just having the awareness to know when we're not present. Oh, wow. I'm thinking a lot right now. I'm really in my head which is still a level of a, you know, it's a cognitive thought, but from there, then it's like, okay, now what tools can I use in this moment right. to connect to myself somatically and come down into my body? You know, the most powerful and basic and advanced one, obviously being just connecting to our breath and, and breathing more deeply and knowing that no matter where we are, any time of day, anywhere we go, that's always a way to just check in with our bodies. Mm. So Ernie, I, it, 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 it's, it's, it's becoming a stale joke for us, but I mean, every episode there become, there, there's a use case for meditation because that is what has trained us to realize when we get stuck with on either deep in a conversation and we think about how we're going to respond or we're thinking about something else in general, or we are just trying to remain mindful. It's meditation is a practice that we come back to time and time again. Um, but Jason, I did want to ask you, um, you know, when you, when you, when you, you made mention of, you know, analysis paralysis and, you know, taking class after class or learning more and more prior to taking action, I, that is a, a place that I found myself in several years ago. I've always fancied, fancied myself a writer, but I, I, I always told myself I'll write a book when I have enough life experience or the more common narrative is I will be happy when I have this, this, and this. Um, what practical advice or what happy medium do you recommend to people you work with or uh, I guess action, actionable items that say, okay, listen, here, you, you have the experience. You, here's what you just need to do to get started. Um, where, where do you lead people that feel like they just need constantly more information before they can take action? Yeah, uh, you know, that's where starting some kind of interpersonal work, I think, is extremely valuable and important. So that can either be, yeah, you know, working with a coach, someone one on one or what, you know, I really kind of spearhead and recommend these days is, you know, every man should be in a men's group. And so that's where the rubber is going to really hit the road in terms of, are you meaningfully taking this information and using it to cause transformation in your life, which is, you know, just another way I think of 
putting embodiment, when it comes down out of our heads into our bodies, we show up and act differently in the world. And having, you know, bringing that into the relational field with those that know we want to do that is one of the key pieces because then day to day, week to week, month to month, you know, depending on what the relationship is, we're getting feedback around, are we moving in the direction we want to be moving? And, you know, that's where it really just takes getting out and being with other people um, that are doing embodiment work, that are doing this kind of depth work. And that, you know, making that leap is oftentimes one of the risks I have to encourage men to do, you know, just come out to men's group, just try it, you know, just try it, try being around other men and talking about what it is you're wanting to change. Um, or yeah, you know, make a commitment and, and sign up for some coaching. And that can be, you know, a fearful place. I think we've probably all <laughs> discovered from both ends before of, oh, wow, I, you know, I've wanted to change, but this means I'm actually going to have to do some different stuff. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of fear will come in and a lot of habits will come up to try to just keep us where we're at. Um, so, you know, there's no hard and fast rule for this kind of thing, but basically, you know, if there's something you've been wanting to change in your life and it's been a year and there hasn't really been any movement, you're probably kind of stuck more in the consumption analysis paralysis mode in my mind. Yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, and so when it comes to working with a coach and in interpersonal work, you made mention that you particularly work with men who feel more comfortable with their masculinity versus some with a man who feels more comfortable with his uh, feminine side. What I have to imagine being looking in from the outside toward these types of environments. What would you recommend for somebody who identifies more with their, their feminine side than their masculine side? Yeah. Um, all the same work, <laughs> truth be told, uh, actually. And, and, and it's not so much, it's more, you know, where are you most nourished is what I would say. And that as human beings, I think we ultimately need to be nourished in both energies, man or woman, no matter what sex we're born. Um, but I do think most people, even if it's just 50 and a half percent, get a little more resourced in one energy than the other. And what I, you know, what I mean by that is that more masculine energy, the more kind of grounded emptiness, expansiveness, um, or the feminine energy, the more fullness, connection, feeling. Um, and every man I work with has to learn to work with both of those energies in themselves. And, you know, 90% of uh, the in-person men's groups I lead we definitely do some embodiment work. We definitely do some masculine practice, so to speak. But ironically, a lot of it is feminine practice in that I hold the structure of the container. And what it allows men to do is kind of drop into their feeling body in a place of safety where they're not used to doing that. And by doing that with other men, they can get clarity about what they're feeling and what they're experiencing, which then lets them go back into the world um, in a more directed way. So yeah, I, I often I often joke. A lot of women always ask me, "What do you guys do at men's group?" And I'm like, "A lot of times we just sit around feeling our feelings and cry." <laughs> Man, I can I can say this uh, now um, most clearly from my experience from our group 
and and being with 50 men that have been doing embodiment work and then just the feeling of being in that room. But uh, being on the phone with you, I noticed myself um, going from the nervousness, uh, nervous chatter of, oh, we're doing a podcast. Oh, and I'm opening the show and Trey usually opens the show and I have to say something and da, 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 you know, <laughs> all that stuff in my head. But just talking to you, um, I can feel myself, you know, centering. And I think that's the power of being an embodied person in this world, the impact that you can have on the world. And I just noticed that. And I, and I wonder if, uh, as listeners listen, if they're noticing something like that too. Um, but, but one thing I, I really, you know, was playing with some, um, semantic, the semantics maybe, uh, of yeah. the word embodiment. Um, for me, you know, it, I, I feel like it's, there are two ways, I guess we're, we're kind of hitting in, in this conversation. One where we're reading and we're learning and we're stacking on layers of, of how to do things or how to be a certain way. And then when I think of embodiment, I think of more of a shedding or a stripping down. Um, but I, I wonder for you, you know, what is, what does embodiment mean and, and how does that actually show up? Yeah, for me, um, it's very tied to physiology, meaning, uh, you know, one of, one of my teachers likes to say our, our physiology doesn't lie. And our breath, the tension in our body, how relaxed we are, how open our gaze is, how alert we are. To me, that's, that's what happens when you're embodied, right? Um, when we're in our heads, oftentimes those things are tight, fast, concentrated, you know, we're not thinking much beyond ourselves a lot of times. Uh, so for, for me, it's when we, we take these ideas and we actually express them in our physiology in a moment to moment way. And, you know, that goes for learning to be present in the moment with other, other human beings. And it goes for, you know, all kinds of things we traditionally think of like, um, learning to play music or singing or a new art or craft where at first, you know, we can read about it, we can see the things, but our body can't necessarily do it. But at some point it actually gets into our physiology and that's the piece you just, you can't hack, you know, mm. as our teacher, John, John says, you, you can't hack that piece. It takes a persistence of going there in your body and, and opening up these new pathways and new ways of being that, when it happens, people fucking notice. They totally notice like, yeah, you feel different. You're moving through the room different. Your energy is different. Um, you know, I call one of the coaching programs I do uh, Pillars of Presence, where we're learning about the different pillars that it takes to become present in the world. But the, the magical thing about that is that as every man does that, they become a pillar of presence that other people can feel. You know, one of my favorite things about doing work like this and you know, getting more embodied and getting more grounded in the moment is that experience almost everyone I've ever worked with and myself included has had of at some point you're talking to someone and they're just like, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. <laughs> and they've just gone on and on and opened up about something they never thought they'd open up about. And it's always a direct result of your presence, your embodiment in that moment how attuned and actually there and connected to your breath and connected to that person you really are. 
Does that does that kind of make sense? It yeah, does. totally. And it's <laughs> what you just said verbatim. I I have gotten many times in the past. It, it's I. It's not something that I've ever been aware of. You know, people tend to open up to myself, and I, I'm sure that's the same for Ernie as well. But you know, being present, it's that that is a key for me in actually in helping to understand. You know, why that is because I do enjoy being a listening ear or a, a kind ear for somebody and allowing them to feel comfortable enough to to open up to me. Um, and just, it's not something I was ever aware of before. Um, but I, I, I am curious, you know, we, we find ourselves in a, what I perceive to be a small select group of people who are, I guess, in a sense, enlightened to being, I don't know how to, embodied or, you know, however you want to put it, but how do yeah. we how do we help others become this way? Because like you said, we are so inundated with information all day, every day. And one of the personal challenges that I've expressed to Ernie is that I want to help people be open and be free, but it doesn't seem like people are accepting of that or they're willing to change. And so whether or not it's just being that person to lend an, an ear to, or is there is there a way that or is there a time that you see us reaching an inflection point where people actually want to be open like that? Yeah, I mean, this is great. This is one of the central tensions and questions, I think, of all development work and um, many modalities I studied of, hey, we think we know there's a better way to be, but how do we get people interested, so to speak, right, um, to some extent? And, you know, I was a guy who for a long time in my early twenties, it's like, you got to read this book. You got to do this thing. Right. Um, which doesn't always no. land in, in folks the right way. Um, but this is what I love about embodiment is when we're doing it, um, you know, whether we call it this deeper masculine presence or just being a good fucking human being, um, when we're doing it, the right people notice and are attracted to it. And so this is something, you know, I've experienced firsthand with many, many different teachers and men and friends in my life of like, wow, there's something about being the way you're being that feels really good. And I, I want some of that in my life. What are you doing? What do you do? Who are you? Right. Is that, is that kind of energy? Yeah. And what I really find is just, yeah, the more we deepen and do our work and continue to to kind of ground in and do all the things necessary to be embodied, the more the right people just notice and come towards is what I would say. Um, and for some people, you know, their life circumstances just have to get to a certain place where it's the the, the pain of not changing is so extreme that they're they're ready to try something new and they start looking and they right. start feeling and they start noticing um and that's where you know suddenly people i've sometimes known for years are like hey oh my god you know you, i've always known you're kind of into the stuff can you kind of give me some pointers or tips and then they're kind of open to it but what i always love is um i think it's much easier to attract people through an embodied experience first and then kind of give them the framework after then it is like you should meditate because of x mm. right uh, i've just never really kind of found that, that sticks 
But if I'm meditating a lot and I'm kind of in a bliss state and they're having a hard time and I just grab them once and I'm like, hey, let's just pause and take a couple breaths. And I don't explain even what I'm doing, but their energy changes. That's when they'll often come towards me, so to speak. And like, what, what was that? What are you doing? How can I, how can I learn to do that myself? I have just found for me, that's just worked the best. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a distinction in there um, of, of a gravity versus like taking an accelerating approach towards helping people to change. Um, you, you know, I myself got, have gotten into a place and I have to keep myself out of fixing people. People don't want to be fixed. And most of the time when yeah. people have questions, it, the the way that I want to go into that question is a way of fixing. And that's not necessarily what the question was, but, but I hear you saying that there's an, there's one attracting it, this energetic of it, it's coming to you because you're just, you're embodying it. Right. And then, um, then there's mm -hmm. also an opening of leadership in some moments where it's like, Oh, you know, I know what to do here. And you just show up to serve that person in a, in a form of embodiment, or maybe it's with, with the words that you're saying. And, and those are ways that are more impactful than trying to seek out fixing things. Yeah, I, I would say I, I'm all, I'm just all about that kind of more magnetic embodied thing. You know, it's, it's a little more intangible, but it's, it's just so much more impactful. I have found when someone's already had some kind of experience in their, um, in their body of, wow, that was different than what I'm used to. What was that? versus you should do this because it'll lead to this. Um, it's just, it's always been an uphill battle for me to kind of approach things that way, which is why, you know, again, getting connected and being in the relational space, I think is so important for all this kind of work because that's how we get to feel those different energies and different ways of being when we're around other people who are doing it. And um, I've spent a lot of time like I said, leading men's groups, leading co-ed authentic relating events, not explaining what's happening per se, but just giving people an experience of that state to come into. And then if they're at a place where they're ready, they're going to find the resources to, to kind of continue on their path. So being so close to that space over the last one, two, five, ten 10 years, have you seen people being a lot more open to that, being a lot more vocal about expressing their desire to to find that inner peace. Uh, my I, the question stems from you know mindfulness and meditation making its way from you know Eastern cultures to Silicon Valley, finally making its way you know across the United yeah. States. This is from a layman, you know, being in that industry. Are you seeing people more open to this sort of change? I would say totally. Um, I mean, it's just, it's part of, you know, even the idea of mindfulness, I think is pretty much embedded in our cultural um, lexicon at this point. There's, there's not many people you could talk to that don't know what that term kind of means if they don't know exactly what it means. And, uh, you know, when I kind of first got into this work, um, mindfulness, meditation, all that were like, these are great things to do because the, they'll kind of, they'll, you know, they'll help you deepen and develop in these ways. And part of what I actually think is happening is it's no longer like an optional thing to learn how to be mindful and have awareness um, and conscientiousness like that in the, in the same way that it was back then, where it's like, 
culture and technology has changed so much. I mean, it's such an assault that this is actually a life skill now that we're having to really need to just accomplish anything in the world, you know, and as more and more of what we used to get educated on becomes kind of pointless, right? A lot of the things we, I was taught in school was just how you memorize this, how you memorize that. And that was considered useful information. Now I think the leading edge is much more, yeah, can you be mindful? Do you know how to lead yourself through difficult situations? Do you know how to relax yourself when you're feeling overwhelmed? And, you know, I am in kind of liberal left coast Hollywood, so to speak. So my population is probably a little different than uh, other parts of the country. But even back home, you know, my, my conservative family, they know about mindfulness. They know about meditation. And I feel like it's penetrating a lot of different areas like that. And I would definitely say since I first got into my first men's group in 2006, uh, way more energy around that in the culture, that this idea of men circling up um, to become better men in a conscientious container, that feels like it's, it's really just kind of exploded in the last couple of years that like there's definitely a demand, definitely a hunger. So I, I kind of along those lines, and I, I'm, I'm curious, this may not even be an issue, but in a, in a day and age where gender norms are so blurred, but people are taking polarizing stances, I mean, do you get pushback? You know, having, I, I, I know you mentioned you know, some women maybe in jest ask, you know, what do you guys do in your groups? But do you get pushback from having men's only groups? I'm, 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 I'm purely curious to see if, you know, there is a, a an ideological uh, perspective from either gender or, you know, whatever fluid gender you are, uh, where you just, you, you get that, that critiquing, uh, from people. I haven't actually, um, Good. I've just never, never gotten that feedback once, uh, from, from, from anyone truth be told, doesn't mean I won't at some point. Um, but most people, when I tell them about it, uh, or they find out I run men's groups are like, Oh my God, that's so awesome. I'm that's so awesome. happy you're doing that. Um, and that, yeah, you know, we, there's definitely some edginess to this language and how it's showing up in culture right now. But what I love about it is, you know, even times where I've had dialogues with people who don't necessarily buy these terms and think they're, you know, gender stereotypes and cultural conditioning. Um, I like that there's an embodied aspect can just very quickly take people through some exercises and just like, which one feels better for you? You know, do you, do you like being in that flow of love or do you, do you prefer being in kind of that expanded emptiness? And you can give that experience to people without labeling it something. And then it just becomes a whole nother conversation as well, which I think is really cool. And, and, but yeah, I've never really gotten any pushback around that. You know, truth be told. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You know, Jason, I, I kind of have a sense of this, but I also want to go into it with you specifically. Um, you know, most of the culture of personal development is around the word growth or maybe change is another word. Um, but you're specifically often using the word deepen. And I sense it's and kind of feel as though it's a it's particular, like you're using that word because it means something different. There's a distinction there. Is that the case? Yeah, well, I, I can definitely think, uh, you know, our teacher, John, really kind of got that word into my nervous system. And 
What I, you know, I think deepen is the great paradox for, we both have to right, and this is, this is kind of both masculine and feminine energy. You could say we both at the same time have to totally embrace ourselves where we're at flaws and all and be okay with that. Even while we're driving towards being something else or including more in, into our sense of self, so to speak. And what I like about this idea of deepening is, man, one of the things, you know, ex very kind of explicit example of this would be when I work with guys on dating and relationships, right? Or they'll come to me and they, one of the things I get all the time is, right, I want to be confident in approaching women. I want to be able to approach any woman and feel confident. And for me, what that's a breakdown of is basically... I want to be able to control the situation always. I want to know whoever I approach, I'm going to get a certain outcome, which to me is like the inverse of what I teach and what I believe in. Like that's a lack of vulnerability. Control and vulnerability are almost always at kind of the polar opposites. Um, what I mean by deepening, so to speak, is there are certain things you know, uh, a little nervousness approaching a beautiful woman we really want to connect deeply with, sharing something we're maybe a little ashamed of with a partner we love, um, reaching out and going for something new or putting a piece of art out there. Those meaningful things will always have some anxiety or some energy around them. And what I, what I think of deepening is it's, it means... We just come into relationship with that energy, not trying to get rid of it, just acknowledging it as what it is, and we can still move forward. So it's, oh, I may just get nervous when I approach women, and I can be deep enough that I can see that nervous energy in my experience, but it's not my entire experience, right? Oh, here's the part of me that gets really nervous when I approach someone I'm attracted to, and or, you know, here's that, you know, this is like parts work that, that we often do or voice dialogue as well. Here's that part of me that really doesn't like myself. Hmm. Um, and a lot of times, again, you know, in coaching or in therapy, we want to get rid of that. We want to get rid of that. I just, I don't want to have that voice anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, what I think deepening is, is it's like creating a more expansive eye, so to speak, ground that all that can live in that we don't have to get rid of it. It, it, it kind of just becomes more like, oh, that's, that's kind of like my bum knee. You know, it's a little tender. I, I kind of have to be aware of it. I can still exercise, but it's, it's always going to be there to some extent. And I don't have to remove that to move forward in my life and live more fully. So for me, that's kind of what I mean by deepening, like deepening into ourselves which simultaneously means embracing ourselves more. And while we're doing that, it allows us to kind of make meaningful change without actually having to get rid of those pieces of ourselves. Dude. Yeah. Thank you for that. That makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And it's a place that I'm just now learning. Um, I really appreciate that definition because up until recently, funny enough, I mean, it, I've been in this program to deepen and embody, but to see it in that yeah. way right now is, is, uh, is powerful because, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself in a lot of situations where I'm nervous as hell and, yeah. and my work 
I thought was how to not be nervous. And yes, maybe that's part of the work, but then I'm still going to be nervous in some scenarios and how to operate in that. Um, Where I had been coming from was how do I calm myself down in this moment? And where I'm going from that is how do I still show up in this moment? I mean, it's exactly what you're saying, like having that feeling come up, but dropping enough or maybe even stepping back enough to see it, to still be present and to show up and to do whatever's necessary in that moment and learn from it. I love that. Boom. I, yeah. yeah, that 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 that's such a spot on way to put it. You know, and it strikes me right now that could probably use the word expand almost interchangeably mm. with 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 deepen in the way I, I talk about it. I like deepen because it has an embodied feeling to it, like grounding into ourselves at the same time. Um, but both of these things and exactly what you just spoke about, you know, to me, they are the crux of um evolutionary development as you know which is kind of my thing my you know my thing is evolutionary men and um studying how is it we evolve as as human beings in our consciousness and you know there is a ton of research that actually shows there is a structural process that we go through where what happens you know in we all know this in the mainstream form you know the literally taking the red pill the matrix moment where um, the subject of our awareness becomes an object in a larger level of awareness. So basically we were fused with a way of being in the world, right? We're in the, we're in the fishbowl and we don't realize we're in the water. And then someone takes us out of the water and we can see the water and it's like, holy crap, I thought everything was that. Turns out it's not. And so we just keep going through these fulcrums of, you know, the subject of, of our current way of being becomes the object of our next way of being. Oh, that's my nervousness, right? When we can name it, when we become aware of it, when we become present to it, when we can relate to it, we're actually holding a bigger space where we're not fused by it. We're not run by it. We have more choice by it. You know, that's what so much of this embodiment work I think really comes down to is we can choose um, you know, as another guy in one of our groups put it, we can, we can respond rather than just react. We can actually, oh, here's the situation. I'm feeling this. How would I like to move going forward? If we're fused with our way of being in that sense, right? If we're collapsed into anxiety or rage or anger or grief or whatever that might be, we don't have a lot of choice. Like that's just the way it is in the moment. We we. We, we're, we're reacting in, the, in, those, in those situations. So, so much of this is about, you know, and why I love meditation is, a, is such a great practice is continuing to expand our eye. So we're just holding more and more in every moment. That's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I especially love, there's, there's such a huge difference between responding and reacting. And, you know, as you embody that and you realize or I guess train your body to respond versus react. I mean, your world opens up and it, it truly creates all the difference. Um, I do want to go back a little bit. I have, uh, you know, for anybody who may be listening, man, woman, or especially man, you know, if, if they have found themselves having difficulty in leading up to this point in their life, speaking to um, another, uh, a woman or a man or whatever their, their particular interests are, what's, 
I guess initially, you know, what are some steps, some actionable takeaways that they can enact with their own their own lives to become more comfortable so they can uh, develop that that deeper understanding uh, of themselves and so they can be a little bit more comfortable? I mean, is there any, I don't know, a piece of advice, you know, short of, you know, seeking out a coach initially? What would you recommend? Um, is it, so this is just in terms of like how, how to create and more comfortably connect with other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, this is where a lot of the work I do in the more authentic relating, uh, side of things comes, which is kind of a body of work that sprang out of, uh, San Francisco in the mid two thousands and is literally what are the tools the mechanisms we can use to create deeper connection in the moment. And that includes being embodied and knowing what we're feeling and being able to share what we're noticing. And so, you know, the greatest hack always for these kinds of things, I think is um, the, the great game we call just curiosity of just getting super curious about another human being's experience. You, and if you're breathing and in your body at that moment, you never have to worry about not knowing what to say or how to connect. It, it, it's so crazy, but when you're just breathing, connecting to your body and getting curious and noticing what's happening for someone else, um, conversation will always flow and silence and awkwardness are not something you even have to be afraid of, right? Because you can actually just start to speak what's going on. I'm noticing I don't know what to say right now. And I, I feel kind of dumb. What's going on for you? And sometimes just having very simple kind of conversational and relational tools like that, I think makes such a big difference, such, such a big difference. You know, when, when I work with guys on dating, I teach them there's only one, so to speak, and I hate the word, but I do use it, you know, pick up line you need. Hi. My name is, insert your name, and then share something you're noticing about the person in the moment. And that's it. And then you just go from there, rinse and repeat. Mm. I have to imagine that one, not only humanizes you, but two, it diffuses any sort of potential situation where the other person, you can just feel like this is this is a, a game or, you know, a line that you're absolutely, I, I, I feel like that's, that's just, you're hitting the nail on the head by just completely defusing any sort of, you know, negative circumstance that come about. Hi, my name is Trey. You look nice tonight, Ernie. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I love that. I, yeah. I love that. And then, and then transferring back and forth potentially. I mean, if it's necessary that just that experience of what's going on, it's always brought to the present and and always accessible. Like there's, there's no way mm -hmm. there couldn't be something to talk about. You know, this is me coming from my own life and, and a challenge that I have. And um, so, sometimes, you know, I want, actually in many ways, Jason, I want to say things like uh, that I'm experiencing in the present moment. And, yeah. and I, and I fear the, the, what it's, that it can't be held in relation with certain people. You know, my main fear is they haven't experienced the things that I've experienced and understand why this is important to talk this way about what I'm experiencing and, why, and how it's affecting me. And, you know, that 
what what do you what do you suggest? I don't know if that's clear at this point. I can expand if it's necessary. totally clear. Okay, um, and I I think it dials into you know something that you and I um, got to experience in one of our last retreats together. That I think is the epitome of a lot of the men's work I care about, which is um, we go first, we open first, mm. and so what I mean by that is. Uh, Leading with vulnerability is, you know, which I teach men to do and I strongly believe in, is what helps create the space for other people to to step into. If we go first, hey, here's what's going on for me. You know, uh, my heart hurts, X, Y, Z, or or whatever. Oftentimes that'll create a level of safety for others to come in. Um, now the trick with this and the very real thing I think you're cluing into is there is legitimate risk. So if we open and try to deepen a conversation, it is very possible that not everyone else we're relating with in life has the capability or yet wants to go there. Just 100% true. Uh, you know, I see this time and time again. I, I've experienced it in my own life, you know, certain, certain relationships I was very close to as I continued to develop and change. Um, I wasn't able to relate with those people as fully as other people. And so those relationships started to take less priority in my life. And I think that's just a very real risk that we don't know if someone can meet us, but the only way to find out is to go first. And that is the essence, I think, of being a masculine leader or just a, a emotional leader in, in the world these days, masculine or feminine, of taking the risk to go first and knowing that not everyone can meet us there. But what's great about that practice is very quickly you'll find out who can meet you there and who you want to invest time and energy in in your life. You know, I, it's, again, bringing it back to dating, it's one of the core things I, I, I work with men on of like, we get into this just ridiculous, stupid trap of, oh my God, I can't really show you or share with you who I really am or what I'm really feeling until we're dating and in a place of security and I know you like me and then I can reveal all that. Mm. It's actually such an awful strategy, mm. right? Cause then we're two people pretending to be a different way and then maybe it kind of works. And then five months in six months in hell, people I've worked with decades in, they finally begin to reveal who they are and their partner's like, wow, actually that's, that just doesn't work for me. I, I, I don't relate in this way versus going early finding out soon, you know, uh, I like to kind of think of it as like um, uh, depth sonar pings, you know, we're, we're kind of leading the way a little bit, feeling out people we're dating, feeling out friends, feeling out relationships of where can this person meet me and better to know sooner than later. Because um, then, yeah, maybe, okay, you know, this person just hasn't really gotten to a place where they're interested in connecting at this level of depth that's okay. And so this is going to be a more transactional relationship in my life rather than, you know, a deep relational uh, relationship, so to speak. So I, I totally get it, man. And it's just part of the game. I think you just got to go first and be willing to not be met. Mm, it, that's scary. <laughs> you know, the thing that comes up, man, is like, is this question and I've been teasing it for months or maybe even years now, but, um, going on a opening first 
diet, you know, like this radical honesty <laughs> diet, you know, and, and it just feels so dangerous, like that it's not something, uh, like it, that there's gotta be a, a boundary to it or something like that. I don't know. Like, would that be a dangerous endeavor to embark on a radical honesty or this opening first type diet? Yeah, I, th I think a lot of people kind of get, particularly in that community, the radical honesty community, that there there can be a little bit of a shadow side to that mm. in terms of just always totally leading with that and not attuning to the person and where they're at, mm. right? You know, uh, I might call this, not that you would do this, but I think we've probably all experienced at some point in our lives, uh, emotional vomit. You know, someone we've just barely met, maybe just barely connected to, right. and they give us everything. Uh, in a way that we're not really fully prepared to hold and haven't fully even agreed to hold yet. That can be pretty intense and is actually um, not very relational. It's not very right respectful. So I think that there is a, there is some attunement in this, right? You know, and part of this again comes from embodiment, comes from being in your breath, being connected in the moment and feeling who you're with. Like, oh, do I feel like I could deepen this conversation a little bit? And will this person go there? And okay, so I'll try a little bit. Hey, so instead of, um, you know, in, instead of talking about the game this week, you know, I'd love to hear what your biggest challenge of the week was. You know, just kind of a little bit of a ping, deepening it a, a little bit. Because um, I, I do think that, you know, I really like Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's work around this, where she's like, for some, particularly for some of our tenderest and most vulnerable stuff, um, people have to earn the right to get to know us at that level. And that does take a little bit of time. You know, workshops and programs and groups, I think, can accelerate that greatly. But there is something, a type of trust that just kind of gets built over time a little bit, going a little bit more each time, um, that I think is really important. And then, you know, Ernie, you and I are masters of this, so to speak, by this point. Uh, the other piece here is it's really important in terms of how are we setting the container for a deep, radical, or honest conversation like this. You know, just coming in with, you know, I've always thought you're an asshole because you X, <laughs> Y, or Z, or da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. Might not land so well. Mm -hmm. but, but like, hey, man, you know, we've known each other, uh, you know, a couple weeks or, or whatever, and I'm curious, like, would you be open to like giving each other some feedback? And they can be a yes or no to that, you know, but then they're kind of opted in a little bit. They, they're, it's, it's not kind of being, it's not blindsiding them. I think where this tends to show up a lot, I would say, is uh, for those of us that get, you know, drunk on the personal growth and development bandwagon, and then suddenly we just want to take it back to all of our friends and family and think, oh, they should be able to do this hmm. right away. Right. When, mm -hmm not always the case mm -hmm. you know we do have to get a little buy-in and we do have to kind of suss out um you know who's open to what levels of relating that's one of the things we 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 cover a lot in authentic relating is you know they're really kind of three phases or stages of relationships of like i said transactional where we're just kind of sharing data exchanging information you know maybe with mailman uh people we pay professionally, um, people we're not on good terms with, exes or spouses, and we just functionally are handling, you know, who picks up the kids when, 
it's transactional at that point. And then there's the deeper one, which is like personal, where we get a little bit more into like, oh, you know, how was your week? What do you love? Um, what are you excited about? Um, what's going on for you? Which is where we tend to hang out with a lot of relationships, but I think kind of where you're leading towards and certainly where I find the most juicy is, is that third level, the relational level, where we can actually talk about how we're experiencing each other moment to moment. You know, when you say this, I felt this. And, you know, being here with you right now, I, I'm noticing I'm just feeling a lot of tension in my chest. And part of me is just really still upset with you from last week. And we can just yo-yo kind of talking through that experience. Um, not everyone can meet us in that level, though. That's just 100% true. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. So, I, Jason, I, I did want to ask you um, in, in relation to deepening oneself and I, what, what is the, if you, if you could recommend one resource or one life-changing book that would encompass, you know, the things that you would love to share with others, what, do you have one in particular that you would like to share? Yeah. Let me think. Oh, if I had to dial it down. Yeah. If I had to dial it down to one, um, it would be, Man, it'd be my, <laughs> it'd be a go-to practice that uh, I certainly love these days, and that's uh, Wim Hof breath. Mm. Oh, I love it. I love it. If you've never done it, you got to do it. Yeah. Again, we can talk about deepening expansive consciousness, um, and even people I know who often, you know, spend months trying to meditate and still don't get it. Like when you get your physiology right, yeah, it can really support the state. You know. Uh, very, very easily of, oh, that's, that's what they mean. That's what it feels like. And it's, you know, you can learn on YouTube for free in like five minutes and do it in a couple minutes a day. And it'll, it will change how you're showing up in the world. Um, so that would be just a hundred percent in terms of a practice I would recommend that that's great man or woman just recommend uh, trying it out. It's an experiential thing. Yes. You no. Know? You do it enough, you will feel different. You will actually feel something different in your consciousness. It's, now, it's amazing. It's, it's kind of addictive. I love mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Now, are you, mm -hmm. are you a cold shower junkie too? I am. I, I don't have like a fierce practice around it, but uh, I've always loved it. Yes. Um, you know, I think so much of good masculine practice is just becoming comfortable with discomfort. Absolutely. You know, in that same way, making an object out of our discomfort. And the cold showers and plunges are so perfect, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I still do it. I know the practice. <laughs> I still like get into the cold water and my body contracts and gets small and tight. And I think, oh my God, it's so cold, it's so cold, it's so cold. <laughs> and then if I just stick with it for a breath or two, oh, it's cold. Yep. Literally, it's just, there's coldness in my body. It's yep. data. It's information. Um, it's sensation. I don't have to make a story out of that. And the second I can make that into an object and I'm not fused with it, space opens up and then it's like, oh, this actually feels really good. I'm so happy I'm doing this. I feel more vital already. Um, so yeah, totally. I, I would love to get a nice chest for my backyard. That's fantastic. Yeah. Winter here in the Midwest. That's, that's pretty much one of the only yeah, things I like you about totally it. Yeah. have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cold showers uh, every night and morning. I, I do love them. And um, for any, anyone listening, it, a little foreshadowing, Trey and I will be doing a video series on some of the breath, breath work that we've uh, worked on 
in John's practice. And actually the first one we will be working on is the Wim Hof method. So I love that you mentioned that. That's the one that's been fundamental for me and I hope to share it with our audience. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, Jason, I, I truly appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to to talk with us for a little bit here. Um, for anybody who's curious, for anybody who wants to learn more about uh, what, what you offer, your, your, your teachings, uh, or even some of your writing, where can they go to find you online? Yeah, best place to go in terms of my transformational work is evolutionary.men. Evolutionary.men. Perfect. Yeah, you can read blogs on there. Um, I post podcasts I've been on on there. I've done a few sporadic podcasts myself. You can kind of get a, a deeper cut of uh, you know, who I am and, and what I'm up to and what I care about all, all on there. That's wonderful. That's amazing. Well, uh, I again, thank you so, so much. Ernie, thank you for making this introduction. I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah we're, we're, uh, we, we're Ernie and I are definitely on our own little journey here. We're, we're looking forward to continuing to grow. We, we hope to stay in touch. Awesome. Love it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. Take you. care. Again, Jason, thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, it was truly a pleasure getting to have even this hour uh, to chat with you. Uh, again, if you'd like to learn more about Jason and his work, you can go to evolutionary.men that's dot m-e-n and uh please please if uh, you got value from this podcast do us a favor uh share this share this uh with your network share this with somebody who you feel could benefit uh from from jason's work again that's evolutionary.men um and of course this episode of the podcast was brought to you by lisa bond dbt solutions uh lisa uh, it is her work uh, to help you find a purpose and uh, meaning in uh, your life through mindfulness, uh, through practice of mindfulness and uh, coaching. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Lisa, you can visit her website at lisabonddbtsolutions.com. Com. Again, thank you all so, so, so much for joining us for another interview. Uh, we're going to be back next week. As always, same time, same place. Um, again, if you found any value from this podcast, do us a favor, a quick little favor. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you're using Apple Podcasts right now, just click that five stars and, you know, leave a couple words um, if you enjoyed it. Uh, or even, you know, you can follow us on Instagram at One Mosaic Life. Um, or just share this with friends, with family, uh, with people who you think would find value from what we do. Again, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Ernie. Um, my name is Trey. We will be back soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.